Hello, everyone, and welcome to Talkin' Trash with Waste Dive, a look at some of the most hotly debated news and developments in the waste and recycling industry. I'm your waste diva, Kristen Muslin. And I'm your garbage enthusiast, Cole Rosengren. And thank you all for tuning in. We know it's been a busy time of the year. Conferences are happening. Summer vacations may be approaching. But we definitely have a good episode for you all today. Uh, This month, we're going to be discussing the crux of the mixed waste processing argument. This sparks many, many opinions in the industry as leaders question how much sorting people should be expected to do or if they should be doing any at all. Lately, it seems like more and more cities and states want to achieve higher diversion rates, but they're finding there's no easy way to actually do that. Sometimes it's the cost of collection or a lack of regional infrastructure or maybe just because local residents don't want to take out the time to sort the recycling. As my friends and family would attest, throwing it all in one bin and letting someone else deal with it can seem very appealing. Though we hear stories about these dirty MRF facilities closing, like in Montgomery, Alabama, or failing to move beyond the proposal stage like in Indianapolis or in Houston. And while skeptics say that contamination from mixed material isn't worth the higher capture rates, supporters say that they just haven't gotten a chance to build the right facility yet. It's all sort of become a self-defeating prophecy, if you will. But, of course, there's always more to it. So, Cole, what did you find out this time? Well, like you said, there's definitely a lot to the argument here. And people do think of the dirty MRFs as sort of representative of this industry, but it's a lot of people talking about mixed waste processing, advanced waste processing that can go a step beyond that. So it's true, Montgomery did not work as intended. Indianapolis and Houston fell through for various political and legal reasons. Yet, according to a recent presentation from the consulting firm Gershman, Brickner, and Bratton, there are currently about 20 facilities in the U.S. that utilize some form of mixed waste processing. This includes mechanical biological treatment facilities and hybrid MRFs, like ones in Anaheim or Placer County, California. So, supporters of the technology see a lot more potential to go beyond what is out there now. And, as I'm sure plenty of people in the industry know, if you want to hear about the future of mixed waste, you really got to talk to Rob Watson. Rob founded the LEED Green Building Certification Program. He recently started developing a similar concept called Sweep for the waste industry, and he is also the chief science officer for a company called EcoHub. So far, EcoHub's efforts to build their first facility in cities such as Houston haven't panned out, but Watson said that when they do, it's going to be big. Montgomery represents everything that was that's wrong with mixed waste processing. Um, it is attempting to use machines that were not purpose-built for mixed waste separation. Essentially, these are single-stream MRFs with a couple of extra bells and whistles, and we're up to you know version 2.0 right now with, with EcoHub. We, we can turn uh, a mixed waste stream into up to 40 clean and consistent material streams, um, each of which is guaranteed to be 95% pure, and our post-separation production partners, you know, generally require 70 to 70 to 80% purity in their waste streams. Okay, so that all sounds like a good pitch, but why is EcoHub going to be different? Well, according to Watson and the schematics uh, that EcoHub provides in his presentations, their first facility is going to have 58 different sorting lines compared to the 12 that were in Montgomery. They're currently designing a smaller version as well, 
But right now, EcoHub's plan calls for a facility to process about 2,000 tons per day. So you're talking a city of at least a million people or maybe less if you're including commercial waste. So it's going to make sense for urban areas, more dense areas to start. Their setup is called the Max Diverter. Uh, it's made up of all kinds of patented devices and some of the usual industry sorting standards as well. We went out to the mining industry uh, for heavy-duty equipment because they do a lot of separation by density dimension. Uh, the agricultural industry uh, has very sophisticated optical separating equipment that we adapted. So all of the equipment in the EcoHub uh, is purpose-built for mixed waste and uh, sequenced in a way to you know, most effectively separate uh, the different materials based on their unique combination of density, dimension, and optical properties. So like you said earlier, there are plenty of skeptics, and we'll get into the idea of how much people should be expected to sort in a minute. But first, there's the question of whether this system can work in the first place, or even if it can work, the question of what role it can play in a city's recycling infrastructure. Right, because even though you could make the case that single stream is a matter of convenience, more cities are still asking their residents to sort organics and textiles and e-waste and plenty of other materials. Exactly. So to get a different perspective, I called Kate Bailey. She's the director of EcoCycle Solutions in Boulder, Colorado. EcoCycle has been offering recycling in Boulder for 40 years and currently runs the city's MRF but they may be more well-known among uh, industry professionals for a unique facility called the Center for Hard to Recycle Materials, or CHARM for short. Their goal is to add a new category of drop-off recycling items every year. So far, they're up to 23. Whoa, and this is on top of curbside recycling? Yeah, it's a voluntary drop-off site for residents. I believe there's a small fee involved, but open to everybody. And when I first heard about this idea, I remember thinking it wasn't real. I was kind of surprised to learn that a facility like this actually existed. I don't even know if I could name 23 different categories off the top of my head. We collect everything from electronics to plastic bags and film, books, textiles, yoga mats, bike parts, small plastic appliances like your vacuum cleaner and your coffee maker. We also collect mattresses and box springs, scrap metal, irregular recycling, uh, cooking oil, styrofoam, the big white block foam packaging you get around like a new TV. And our newest material that we just launched last week for Earth Day is plate glass. So for posterity's sake, you can find out more about what the charm takes on their website, but you get the idea. It's quite a lot, even yoga mats. EcoCycle deeply believes in source separation, and they fall in the camp of mixed-waste skeptics. We've seen mixed-waste processing come and go over the last 20 years. It's a great uh, idea in some sense of wouldn't it be great if technology could just sort everything out for us and then wouldn't have to change behavior and encourage people to recycle more. What we've seen is that these facilities, these ideas, just never live up to their promise. So it's it's something that we've talked to a lot of communities that are, are initially wowed by the idea, and then once you dig into the details, it's, it's usually too good to be true. Now, I also covered a lot of the usual arguments you hear come up around mixed waste with both Bailey and Watson during our conversations. One of the common concerns is that organic material will contaminate paper, Watson said they've developed a fiber decontamination and stabilization process from the fast food industry, so we've got that covered. Another is that collecting separate streams can require separate trucks. Sometimes those trucks aren't full. There's a question of emissions. 
Bailey said she sees that as minor compared to the greenhouse gas benefits of diverting the material for recycling. Another area we discussed was whether an uh, EcoHub type facility would work against the goal of reducing overall waste generated. Watson said that wouldn't be an issue. The facility is adaptable to different waste streams and doesn't rely solely on tip fees for its revenue. So without an EcoHub or similar facility in operation to point to, though, it can be kind of hard to find common ground on the concept. Right now it's all very theoretical. Now, I was surprised to hear that EcoCycle actually does see a role for mixed waste processing, just not to the extent that EcoHub sees it having. We think there could potentially be a role for mixed waste processing after you've maximized your source-separated uh, program. So it's not in place of curbside recycling, it's in addition to. That maybe is getting you 60 to 70% diversion, then maybe mixed waste processing might be able to get you another 10 to 15% on top of that. So there's some potential that those programs could work in conjunction uh, with each other to really get to high levels of diversion towards zero waste. So those numbers Bailey cites are from a 2013 study that EcoCycle was involved with that looked at Seattle specifically. At the time, the city had a 71% diversion rate, and the study estimated that using some type of mixed waste mechanical biological treatment system could get them up to 87%. So based on the definitions used by a lot of cities, that basically gets you to, quote, zero waste. But that also assumes that cities get anywhere close to 70% diversion in the first place, which hasn't happened in many places, right? Right. I mean, aside from a few on the West Coast, no major cities in the U.S. are anywhere close to that right now. Uh, theoretically, adding some sort of mixed waste system on top of a curbside program could still help, but it wouldn't get them to those peak diversion rates. Now, waste audits have shown that a lot of the mismaterial we're talking about here is usually food scraps, organics, um, also commercial recyclables, which comes back to the core argument behind Watson's proposal. You know, we want to focus people's bandwidth not on which bin does this thing go into, but rather, is this the right packaging? Do I need this much stuff? Sort of the whole reduce and reuse part of the tripod that gets largely ignored and, and drowned out by the message of recycle, recycle, recycle. If we are honestly interested in reducing the materiality of our society, one bin and EcoHub is not intended to be the panacea for moving towards zero waste, sustainable materials management, whatever whatever you want to call it. But it's, it's just really reducing the material intensity of, of, of our economy. We've seen plenty of studies that show recycling still confuses people or may feel too time consuming depending on what they have going on. But don't a lot of environmental groups kind of see the act of doing it as part of the whole process? Like taking the time to separate stuff from the trash might make you think about your consumption a little bit, right? Yeah, there's still plenty of people who don't like the idea of single stream even because they think more sorting should be required. They want you to think about your consumption. Now, EcoCycle doesn't fall into that category. The MRF they operate in Boulder is single stream and has been for years. But Bailey still agrees with the idea that the psychology of separation is a good thing. I definitely think there's a lot more to be done. And honestly, I think in the face of climate change, asking people to sort their recyclables is a fairly easy thing to do. Behavior change has to be part of the equation. And it can't just be, hey, here are some guidelines that I sent you out once a year on what can be recycled. We really have to make it uh, part of the community values um, part of the community discussion. And I think a big part of it is also taking it beyond just, hey, there's this environmental thing to do. Um, we're seeing recycling creates 
a huge number of jobs across the U.S., nine times as many jobs as landfills on average. She went on to point out that the success of campaigns which highlight uh, you know, how much money families can save from avoiding wasted food or the link between recycling bottles and manufacturing jobs in the southeast like we've seen in the Carolinas recently, that overall economic theme was a big selling point for both EcoHub and the EcoCycle concepts. The idea that more domestic material recovery can help spur local manufacturing economies and put people to work. Now, the ideas are polar opposites in many ways, but both are essentially recognizing that the usual systems may not be enough to get the kind of zero-waste future more people are starting to talk about. Right, and even in cities with these goals, change can be hard and expensive. Sometimes special programs for materials like food waste can even cost more in the beginning, or maybe cities have long-term contracts with landfills or incinerators as sort of an insurance policy, but that might make the need to change feel less urgent. If it were easy, we'd see a lot more charm centers and eco-hubs already, right? Yeah, it's very true that even when cities recognize the need for change, actually making that change is hard. So I asked Bailey what she thought it would take to change people's minds, get them thinking about new ideas. There are definitely communities on the cutting edge, your Portland, your Seattle, your San Francisco. And then I've talked to communities that say they want to be leading edge, but they don't want to be bleeding edge. So they want to see somebody else do it first. I think we focus a little bit too much on the portion of the waste stream that we're struggling to recover when there's so much available material that we could be getting today. So we have cities like Portland, Seattle, closing in on a 70% recycling rate, yet you have an average U.S. recycling rate of 34%. So we could easily double our recycling rate in the U.S. today using proven policies, programs, and infrastructure that are working in communities across the country. As for Watson, the task of selling mixed waste processing may be even harder. EcoHub is in talks about multiple projects at the moment, but none could be disclosed. When asked what he thought was giving local officials so much hesitation, he didn't mince words. I think there are... Uh, worries that are no doubt fanned by the existing, uh, by the incumbents, uh, that, you know, if you go with this option and it doesn't work, you may not have anywhere to put your waste. And as a matter of practicality and a matter of law, those things are both absurd. History is littered with uh, experts who are so wrong as to be embarrassing. And so, At some point, somebody's going to realize that they can make a lot of money, employ a lot of people, get a lot of press, and they're the ones that people are going to remember. It's just a matter of time, we believe, that before, you know, this better mousetrap ends up processing the majority of waste in this country and and the world, quite frankly. Well, then, sounds like they're still plenty optimistic on the idea. Do you think we might actually start seeing more of these facilities come up over the next few years? Right now it's hard to say, but I know Watson and others like him will certainly be trying. And though there are different concepts, the potential success of mechanical biological treatment plants like Fibrite in Maine and others might get people more comfortable with the idea of a mixed waste system of any kind. You know, get them okay with the idea that you're not separating out stuff at the curb. Or maybe if some of these cities with your 2030-2040 zero waste goals start getting a little closer to that date and see that progress isn't happening as quick as they expected, they might start to change their minds. Until then, we'll be following along as usual. Yes, we will. Well, that does it for this episode of Talkin' Trash. Thank you all so much for listening. To get more industry insight, be sure to subscribe to our daily newsletter on wastedive.com. Download the free Industry Dive app from your app store. 
like us on Facebook, and follow us on Twitter. And until next time, I'm your waste diva, Kristen Muslin. I'm your garbage enthusiast, Cole Rosengren. And this was Talkin' Trash. Talkin' Trash.